ladies for that beautiful song. <clears throat> you think God wants our best? Or does he want just 80 or 75 or 90 percent? He wants our best. And that's what I want us to see this morning as we look into God's Word, go way back into the Old Testament, the very first book, Genesis, chapter 22, to a very familiar passage of Scripture to all of us, but it, it, it spoke to my heart this week, and, and I pray that it will speak to all of us today, a very simple message this morning, along the lines of God demanding our very best, and God wants our very best. I was thinking about different avenues uh, this week, and as teachers, they push their students to do their very best. Employers expect their employees to give and do their very best. Coaches motivate players to do their, their very best. Parents, you want your children to do their very best. And church, God demands His children. His children, those of us who are believers, to do their very best. As I thought about that this week in preparation, I thought about how as God's children, don't you think we ought to want to do our best? Our very best. Not half-hearted, but our very best for God. And my mind went to this passage in, in Genesis chapter 22 and where we'll see Abraham as he gave God his very best. But would God really demand someone to kill their son? And if so, what kind of God is that? Who could imagine such a thing? When, after all, a child is one of the most precious gifts of God. What could God possibly be telling us and, and teaching us in this, in the 21st century about this historical passage that we have before us this morning? Could it possibly be that when God considers the life of a born-again believer, that he wants it all? That he demands our very best? Well, I firmly, firmly believe, and I hope that you believe this way as well, that God wants all we have to give at whatever it costs. With the understanding that along with that comes blessing. Our scripture this morning is Genesis 22, 1 through 18. I'm not going to read that before we, we begin because I want to take it verse by verse and let's just, let's just run through it and you can fill in some things on your, on your handout, uh, if you will. But let's ask God to bless our time together. Father, thank you for this time together. Now, as we open your word to this wonderful book, the book of Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18, Lord, we thank you in advance 
for how you will speak to us. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in and through each of us as a direct result of this message, God, from you, not from me, but from you. So speak to us now as we look at these scripture verses together. I pray in your name. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, beginning there with verse number one. And we see first, you have it on your handout, God's incredible test. God's incredible test. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as one of the, on one of the mountain, on mountains of which I shall tell you. Right off the bat, we need to understand that this is not a temptation. Moses, the writer of this book, calls it a test. What about this test? What was this test all about? It was God's way of examining Abraham's heart. Could we agree today that God does the very same thing to his children? He puts tests in our life to try to see how committed we are to him. I thought about this week and, and I thought about how God wants to make sure that we're putting him, that we're seeking him first in all things. And I'm reminded of Matthew six thirty three that says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. So, so Moses is, is telling there, he's saying there, writing to us saying, look, seek me first and I'll provide. Seek God first and God will provide. Let me take you to James chapter number one. Look at a few verses there. One verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the, here we go, the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. Go down to verse 12 in that same chapter. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am am tempted by God. Get this. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every gift, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And then verse 18 Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God's incredible test. There are two 
characteristics of this test. One, it was intentional. It was intentional. Think about it. God, unlike you and me, does not make mistakes. we got to understand that. And what he does, he does on purpose. What he allows, he allows for a reason. And we have a hard time with that sometimes, do we not? We, we struggle with that. It was intentional. It was severe. This was a severe test. Look, look back at our, at, at your text. Hold it there. We, uh, we'll, we'll be in this the rest of the time. <clears throat> look at verse three of 22. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Intentional, severe. Look at Roman numeral two. Look at Abraham's amazing obedience. Look at how obedient he was. I just read that in verse number three. I read that verse and I was trying to get in my little puny brain what in the world might have been going through his mind? This level of obedience that God was asking Abraham to do to his very own son and how severe this test was. Put ourselves in that. Put ourselves in Abraham's shoes just for a moment. Could we do that? Do you think we might have had a question or two to ask? Maybe even procrastinated, if you will. Maybe even given a plea for mercy. And more than likely an appeal for God to reconsider what he was demanding. God, do do I really have to go through this? Do I really have to do this? And in the back of his mind, he was reflecting back on chapter 12 of Genesis that we will conclude the message with in just a few moments. So Abraham's amazing obedience. Note, it was immediate. He did it. He did it right then. Secondly, in verses four and five, it was a, it was worshipful. It was reverent. Verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar, that place where he was going to be going to sacrifice his son. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And then he says, and we will come back to you. I read that in my mind. I, I truly believe that Abraham understood that being obedient to God was going to be a marvelous act of worship. What was God teaching? What was God teaching? I think it's quite clear that he was inviting Abraham to grow in his ability and his, in his commitment to a living God. Are we growing in our commitment to Christ? Are we, are we growing in our ability? In that same verse, verse five, we see also that it was trusting. His amazing obedience was trusted. 
trusting. Who was he trusting in? He was trusting in God. He had orders to go and, and do this particular thing, and, and he didn't hesitate. It took him about three days to get all this together. Uh, experts tell us it was about a 43-mile journey that he took. And don't you think that he was all kind of things were going through his mind? I'm, I'm fixing to sacrifice my son. And in the back of his brain, the awesome, amazing obedience that he had and the faith in God. He knew that God would keep his promise. Well, Hebrews confirms that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Listen to this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. What does that mean? What is, what's the writer of Hebrews talking about there? He was saying this is how much faith Abraham had. Abraham had so much faith in God. He continued to prove his faith to God by willingly about to sacrifice his son. Because this is what he thought of God. He said, I know God's going to take care of everything. He he said, either God is going to let me sacrifice my son and he's going to bring him back to life or he's going to provide a way of escape. And we know how the story ends in just a moment. It was literal. It was literal. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire on his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So so the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Had it fixed, put his son, bound him up there on that altar, knife in hand. All right, put ourselves in there. Put ourselves in, in, in Abraham's shoes. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his Son, could we really picture ourselves literally obeying God in such a manner? Could we? I've heard, I've heard stories about many of your grandkids and how much you love your grandkids and how much you love your kids. I'm the same way. It'd be difficult, wouldn't it? It'd be hard, wouldn't it? To even take these steps towards doing it. Much less pull out the knife and fix it to kill him. You know, if there were ever a time to, to spiritualize God's word. Or ever a time for a symbolic, non-literal application of the scripture. Now is the time. Do I really have to do this, God? To me and to you as well, Abraham's. Obedience 
was shocking, mind-boggling, almost unbelievable. What in the world was God up to? So it was literal. And lastly, it was prophetic. Listen to this. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. Lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. What was Abraham's obedience showing us? It was foreshadowing what was to come a couple thousand years later. And that was when God the Father, instead of requiring you and me to be killed for our very own sins, what did he or who did he provide? He provided the Lord Jesus Christ to die in our place, to be our substitute. And then lastly, God's awesome reward. Twofold, physical and spiritual blessings. Physical and spiritual blessings. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, back to Genesis 12 and we'll wrap it up. Now, 12 comes before 22, obviously. So look what was promised to Abraham in chapter 12. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, this was before his name was changed to Abraham. Listen to what he says. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here we go. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. This is the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old and he, when he departed from Haran. Boy. We see Jesus written all over this story, do we not? Sometimes go back and read this story again and look at the similarities, the numbers and the time frame and what took place, and look at how clearly God gave Moses a message years and years before Jesus was even born. Look at prophecy being fulfilled. Why was Abraham such a great man? Why was Abraham blessed? Church, you want to know why? One word, obedience. 
obedience. And we wonder why in our life we're not blessed. It's because many times we're not obedient to God. Abraham obeyed God immediately, reverently, faithfully, literally, and prophetically. I don't think God has asked any of us here today to sacrifice our son, our daughter, our grandson, or our our granddaughter. But what if he did? How much faith would we have? Would we do it? On a scale of of, of 1 to 10, where does our obedience level lie? Where is it? Are we 100% obedient to God or midway or not even got off the, the wagon yet? God does require us to be obedient to Him in our daily living. You see, Jesus was obedient, was He not? It says that He was so obedient to God the Father, to His Father, that He died on the cross for you and for me. Let me close with this story, if I may. A man was out with his wife, and they got caught in a terrible hailstorm. This was a massive hailstorm. The hail was as large as baseballs. Under the deluge coming against them, the man realized that if he didn't do something, his wife would be severely hurt. He quickly draped himself over his wife, covering her with his own body, so that instead of the storm hitting his wife, it hit him. The hailstones seemed to be it seemed to get bigger as the man bent over his wife, protecting her. The large balls came down harder onto the man. They hurt him badly. After a couple of minutes, his ears started bleeding along with some spots on his head. The man tried to lead his wife to safety, but the stones were coming out faster and harder. The pounding stones took their toll. Weakened by the onslaught, the man finally collapsed over his wife, only able to shield her from danger. After the storm was over, the man was left with scars from where the balls had battered away at him. The remnants of sores, cuts, and abrasions would forever be reminders to him of the day he saved his wife. This is a true story. On the local newscast, the man's wife was asked how she felt about their experience. She said, and I quote, Every time I look at that scar on his head, on his neck, on his ear, I love him more because he sacrificed himself for me. Is that not what Jesus did for us? Ultimate sacrifice. This man gave his very best for his wife. Abraham gave his very best. So here's the question to me, and I offer it to you as well. I wonder, are we giving God our very best? Pray with me. Father, thank you again and as always for your word. We thank you for this Old Testament writing in Genesis chapter 22 where you show us a man called Abraham and a son called Isaac and how you uh, commanded and demanded him to take his son and to offer him as a sacrifice. You told Abraham, Abraham, take Isaac and put him on an altar and kill him. God, what you were doing was you were testing him. You were trying to see what kind of faith he would have. 
And Lord, I know that you have never asked any of us to do that. But there have been things in our lives where you have tested us. And Lord, I ask myself and I ask each person here today, have we passed the test of faithfulness, of obedience, of being trustworthy? Have we passed that test? Lord, may we take this message with us today. May we apply it to our lives and may we share it to those around us. And again, thank you for this message that you have given us today. We pray in your name. Amen. A hymn of dedication number 298. Let's stand as we sing.